for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Here we go, y'all. We're back for part three of our Basics to Becoming an Elk Hunter series. If you're looking to hunt elk for the first time, or even if you've hunted elk and you've been feeling overwhelmed with all the information that's out there, the goal of this series is to keep it as simple as possible. Up next, basics on when to hunt, tactics simplified, response and closing the deal basics, shot placement and dealing with success, all simplified. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by AllGrows.com. With your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show and as always, for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you, as you can see, from my vehicle at said undisclosed location, beautiful Toledo Bend, Louisiana, that's for sure. Uh, and joining me tonight, we got the full crew. We got the leader of the Venezuelan Mafia. That's right, Mr. Luis Gonzalez, the world elk champion, World Elk Calling Champion, Mr. Travis O'Shea is in the house. And R.C. Knox, that's right, the legend from Cuesta, New Mexico. And we got Joe Gillia, WWJGD, and the Ninja Leroy Champ Chavez in the house tonight with us from Cimarron, New Mexico. What's up, fellas? Yeah. What's up, guys? I think it's so awesome, man. For for the people that are listening and can't see you, Gil, Gilbert is in his truck, um, set up with his phone, 
And uh, that's why he sounds like the 1960s radio. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) So, so one thing is, I don't think Gilbert has ever, honestly, dude, I don't think you've ever missed a podcast, man. I don't think that's not gonna either. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, (laughs) some of the places I remember one time you were parked outside a convenience store and people were like, Walmart parking lot too. One time, I think I'm, I'm in the Sabine State Bank and Trust Company parking lot right now. Oh, you're gonna yeah, have looking pretty, looking pretty suspicious. <laughs> I got, I got me and I got me and my 21 foot skeeter behind me. Uh, they, they know it's this is a fishing community up here, so I don't stick out like a sore thumb. I just kind of blend in. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Awesome. Very so, odd. So, uh, Travis, Travis, I wanted to start tonight by saying thank you so much, brother. I got my care package and, uh, dude, same here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Travis. What care package would that be, dude? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go, Chav. Show it to him, my (laughs) guy. Well, that's actually the prototype. And, uh, in fact, there's a question on tonight's mailbox that one of our people asked, when is the sugar going to be available? Well, sugar is being packaged and sent here directly. Uh, so it's, um, we're already going to start selling it in the store. Um, by the time this comes out, there's a good chance we already have the sugar in the store. If it's not in the store, we're taking the pre-orders as soon as, uh, they roll in here. There's Travis, man. Travis has just been, <laughs> you've been working your butt off. <laughs> yeah. We've been putting miles on just traveling, uh, show season, I guess. So it's, <laughs> Yeah. And then you go to a show and then you come home and you build, build, build. So. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as those puppies roll in, um, they're available. They're going to be there. So we're going to be, have the two signature calls. We're going to have the sugar. We're going to have the grinder. You're going to have the closer. You're going to have the one that's going to pull them in. Uh, man, it's, uh, we're, we're real excited about that. In fact, I think you're actually selling those at the show up in Edmonton this weekend, right? Yeah. I got just a handful for the show and, uh, it's not their, correct tape because like you know they did send us the wrong tape but uh it's black ink on the white so right. we're getting close and yeah. the teal the teal is being printed as we speak right now so that's awesome. awesome awesome yeah so something else i wanted to talk about y'all that's happening right now is the <laughs> hunt with the elk bros giveaway Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's unfair. We can't participate. I, I man. agree. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I agree with seriously. you. I asked him yesterday. Can I, I get it. in this? No, man. He won't let us. <laughs> he won't How unfair is that? What the heck? <laughs> it's kind of like the it's kind of like the hunt wars deal. They won't let us participate, man. Other than exactly. being the coach, yeah. man. They ain't gonna let us hunt, man. Yeah. Yeah. We come in there. We come in there and knock it out the park, babe. Well, what good is it going? What good is it going to be for an Elk Bros coach to win to hunt with the Elk Bros? It's, <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be it has great. Been. We're going to show all the stuff. Yeah, it has been great. You should have put more in. I mean, I, have, I, I want I want all of our listeners to know this, and and y'all, you know, Big O likes to embellish a few things, but I'm not going to embellish here. You have better odds drawing in our giveaway 
than any other odds drawing in New Mexico. At a lower These cost. Odds are at a much lower cost. Yep. So I would I would suggest every one of our listeners out there, if you want to elk hunt in New Mexico with our crew, with the baddest cats in the land, y'all better get on that giveaway. It starts real soon. Joe, give them a date when it starts, brother. It's already started, bro. It's running. It's running oh, right you. now. Okay, good deal. Yes, sir. Good deal. That giveaway is running. And we've got – we don't have – like last year, we had one giveaway winner for the package, right? <laughs> there ain't right. one package this year. <laughs> there ain't two packages. There ain't three packages. We got six <laughs> packages this year of Bye. all kinds of incredible products. <laughs> I mean, we've put some stuff together. When I say package, and we kind of went down all the way down to six, there's something hot in every one of these. But right. we start with the grand prize. Man, the grand prize, you know, and I, I, you know, I keep trying to figure out what it is that the people are going to want most out of this grand prize. And I was like, is it to hunt with the elk bros? Is it that bow hitch? Cause bow hitch is hot. Bow hitch is hot. I mean, oh, that no, yeah. you know, no, that's yeah. pretty hot. Or is it that somebody might want a $28,000 overland camper? You know, I'm like, no. What you were saying? Yeah. Joe, we had a, a new listener uh, that's been uh, around me a bunch over the last 20 years that helps us with this tournament up here at Toledo Bend. His uh-huh. name is Jeff Kessler. And he texted me the other night and he goes, dude, which one of the calls do I need to start with? And also, how do I enter in that? I'm like, dude, you gotta, you gotta try and enter Jeff. Jeff, this is going to be one of, he's going to go on his first elk hunt up in New Mexico, in Wyoming on the first, uh-huh. first of September. And I uh-huh. said, I said, Jeff, you're going to have to take off the whole month if you win the other giveaway. He goes, <laughs> I know that'll suck. Won't it? have to take off the whole month. <laughs> To go elk terrible. Uh, he, yeah, he, really said, terrible. Hey, he goes, I'm, I'm wondering, well, he's, he said, I'm wondering, is the bow hitch really, really what it's cracked up to? I'm like, oh, it's, it's a danger, man. so quick question. How does someone enter? It's real easy, man. Um, all you got to do is go to elkbros.com. Right there on the front page of ours is going to be a place where you can click to go over and, and, in, right into the entries and read all of what's going on, how to enter. But to enter, you're going to go to that page. It, and if you want the, the site, it's going to be elkbros.com slash hunt 2023. Elkbros.com slash hunt 2023. One word. All right. And once they go there, it tells you exactly how to enter. In order to get an entry into this giveaway, you have to, first of all, either buy the Academy, our base camp online elk hunting course for yourself or somebody else. Once you enter, once you purchase that Academy using the link that's on that page, it's an automatic entry into that. Okay. Then for any or every Academy that you buy, base camp that you buy for somebody else, we have gift cards on the page there. You get an entry per that as well. Now, but understand this. Once you enter by either purchasing the base camp for yourself or somebody else, then for every $50 you spend in our store, you get an additional entry. Now, think about that, man. Like Gil was talking about, 
Think about the people putting in for the lottery to get a tag in New Mexico to be able to hunt here. Now, first of all, you're going to have to buy the small game license, $68. You're going to have to yep. buy the habitat stamp for 11 Then you're going to have to buy your um, other stamp that's for $4. So now you're already up to $80 for that, and you have to front the money for the tag right on the when you purchase, right? You can put in for $75, you can purchase our base camp online elk hunting course, which is going to help you become a better elk hunter, or you're going to purchase it for somebody. What a gift to give somebody else knowledge to help them become better elk hunters. That's going to enter you into this, and you can get more than one entry. It's the best odds you can get to be able to get a hunt. Now, if you, I, I don't know that hunting with us is all that attractive. <laughs> After some of the things we've been talking about before we were on the air. <laughs> but no, so, so whoever wins that, okay, now here's the deal. Here's the packages. Package one, the grand prize is the New Mexico Archery Elk Hunt with the Elk Bros, a $28,000 overland Elk Bros Edition Camper by Drifter Trailers. Our buddy Steve at Drifter Trailers is, I, I, I just cannot believe, and I'm so overwhelmed and so humbled by Steve and what he's done in wanting to do this and partner with us to do this. That's how much he believes in what we do. And that makes this, that makes this whole thing even, I mean, I just shake my head. So we got the camper. Then we have from Western Fly, we have a Western Fly pack in optics covers. We have the Wapiti River Champion Hunt Pack, man, that is consisted of not just calls, not just grunt tube. It's got call holders. It's got, it's got scent checkers. It's, it's an incredible kit that <clears throat> our buddy here has uh, put into the, into the mix. <laughs> and is that your new grunt tube trap? Yep, yep, that's the new one. Yep. Yeah. Um we've got Absolutely. that. We've got the Elk Bros Edition Bow Hitch. We've got the Native by Carlton call pack. We've got the Slayer Enchantress call. And I don't know if you guys have seen the Enchantress, but this is an external call unlike anything I've seen and makes some really great sound. So if you struggle with diaphragms or you don't want to have that in your mouth the whole time, you ought to check out this Enchantress. It's awesome. And because it's an elk hunt, they're going to get an ultimate predator elk decoy. They're going to get an elk bros buckle made by that man, the legend, R.C. Knox, <laughs> that they're going to be wearing while they're there. They're going to get a Tracy Henry original knife. They're going to get the Elk wow. Success Squad training for two months, and they're going to get our base camp elk hunting course. That's the grand prize, man. Wow. <laughs> that's, crazy. That's, that's the grand prize. But get this. It don't, it don't stop there. That's all. You're in for that just by purchasing the Academy. Absolutely. Exactly. Yes, sir. Wow. Yep. You purchase the Academy, you are entered to win that package. $75 could win you $35,000 package right there. Which, which what you're getting in the yeah, academy yeah. is just like, it's already underpriced. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Unbelievable. So package number two, it's a three-day South Texas hunt with the boys right there, man, uh, down there chasing pigs. Yes, sir. 
you don't have to yep. worry about nothing but bringing your sleeping gear, man. You don't even need a license because you can hunt hogs there in Texas without a license. You bring your stuff to hunt with. You bring. Hello. Mr. Prince, no, I'm busy right now. Yeah, we're doing the. Yeah. <laughs> you get to hunt with the fellas here, man. Um, down south there, you just show up with your with your gear. Um, all you need is something to sleep with, something to hunt with, and they're going to take care that, of the rest, right? That fellow, that fellow was phoning to enter. There was somebody calling in. I'm going to do my very best to have the mafia down there with us too. So we'll set it up, uh, dates to be determined, but, um, for sure, try to have the mafia down there with us and we'll have a big time, uh, and, and you're going to work with days. whoever wins this, right? So they can hunt sometime in the springtime next year, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they're going to get that. Cool. They're going to get the Western fly pack and optics. They're going to get the elk rose edition bow hitch. They're going to get, Hoot Camp clothing, camo clothing from Hoot. This is a, a product that's made there in Texas and it's made for that country and it's going to be perfect for that pig hunt. Um, they're going to get a native by Carlton call pack, the Slayer Enchantress, and they are going to get the ultimate predator hog decoy. So maybe oh, that's something with that, man. And, uh, they're going to get oh, yeah. the outdoor edge razor bone knife and they're going to get the elk bros base camp elk hunting course. That's package number wow. two. Man, get this package number three hit or miss archery. Our archery store here in New Mexico showed up all the other archery stores out there, showed up all <laughs> the other archery stores out there <laughs> and they came through with an elite archery basin compound bow for the winter. Uh, wow. yes. yep. So we have a bow in package three along with the Western fly pack, awesome. and Sino covers by Guy. We got the native by Carlton call pack, the Slayer Enchantress call. We got the game changer. Freddie, my man Fred gave us the game changer CG call and hauler. What that is, is it's actually, you can put the CG call on for you. It's a different type of system to give you a whole different sound than a regular big grunt tube. You just call through that CG and it has its own built in pressure. One to make loud, one to be muffled, and it's, I tell you what, that's an ace in the hole when you're trying to change up your sound out there, and they're going to get the Elk Bros Base Camp Elk Hunting course as well. Package number four. Now, I, I saw this, man, and I was like, God dang, which package would I really want if I didn't get that? And the winner of this is going to get an initial ascent IA2K backpack. I mean, that's a $700 backpack right there. Wow. It it is one of the best systems. Um, I run an IA. uh, It uh, I on this very pack that we have in here. I hitched that puppy up, and I carried 160 pounds on that pack, and it didn't feel. I mean, it was amazing how I was able to carry that weight. It's uh. Oh, was that what, like twenty years ago when you? No, did sir. That it was last stuff? year, bro. Uh, last year. Oh, I got, you. I got, you. I got. You. I'm just checking I, here. It's like I, you know. I could carry, carry you and your sweetheart, Manano. Oh, <laughs> I said yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just checking. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. Joe had to kill that thing up on the top of this big tall ridge, man, and I had to come in from the bottom. 
And I'm like, man, why did he have to kill it up there? Couldn't you let him run a little bit and run down the hill? Oh, my God, that thing was way up there, man. But he did. He carried that last quarter down off of that ridge, and it was it was not easy coming down that last ridge. Yeah, but yeah, it, just the one the one quarter he carried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who carried all the three others? Three of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you carried them on your shoulder, didn't you, bro? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, how about yeah. that? It's a good thing that bike was only a hundred yards up there. Yeah, <laughs> like hey, like like I like I said, if you come hunt with the mafia and our boys, they ain't leaving nobody behind. I promise you. Now, guys. You heard me say the initial ascent backpack. Well, the winner of that package is going to need that because they are going to have a ticket to attend Dan Staten's elk shape camp. One of those that are take place throughout the United States and Dan's elk shape camp is unbelievable with some of the top instructors in the elk world. Let me tell you what, this is an incredible opportunity. Go check out the camp, man, and look at what you would pay to attend this, right? Um, you've got the, the Game Changer Killer Combo, the Base Camp Online Elk Hunting Course, and you're going to get the Elk Bros Signature Call Pack that's going to have the grinder and the sugar in it, man. Package number five. Um, and how many packages are there, Joe? There's six, bro. Six. Oh, wow. <laughs> but so as far. we get, as we get to five and six, what these are is basically these are transferable. If you're not able to use it, you can get, you can give these to somebody else. The rest of the stuff is not transferable, but these are because in package five, we have a event pass, a two day event pass to the beast mode archery event that takes place there in Wisconsin. I think it's the King of the Mountain event. And, I mean, that is a $360 package that goes in with that right there. And I can't wait to put a price tag on all of this, what all of this stuff is is costing together. I was I was going to ask, I, that was going to be my last question, is like if you were to add everything that is being given away, what would be the monetary value of all of that? Oh, dude, I, I, I gosh. I, I'm I'm scared to say, man, because uh I mean we're over forty grand easy in this stuff. So Oh yeah. Oh, I mean yeah. it's just the like the grand prize is you're like at thirty four thousand give or take. Yeah. Just the grand price. I mean you got five other prices there with a bunch of stuff in there. So I mean I, I I think you sold yourself short there on that one. <laughs> and our our package six, well, on that package five, they're also going to get the Elk Bros Base Camp Elk Hunting Course. They're going to get our signature call pack. And package six is going to be event pass for two people. For every competition that takes place and the shoot on the mountain at one of the Western Hunt Fests this year. And that's a three hundred dollar oh. plus package. That's the that's the shoot, that's the calling competition, that's the pack 'em out challenge. And the one of them, the first one's gonna take place right here at the Whittington Center in northern New Mexico, and then the other one in Bailey, Colorado. And it is a incredible super event to really get yourself ready for the season there. And they will also get the Elk Bros Base Camp Elk Hunting Course and the signature call pack from Elk Bros as well. So that's our six packages, man. Mm-hmm. Around Joe, there. this this uh, giveaway started 
about three and a half hours ago, correct? <laughs> no, it, it started on, it started, um, last week, uh, last, that would be last Thursday on March 16th. Okay. And it ends on May 9th. May 9th. Absolutely. May 9th. Okay. Guys, get out there and get entered. I, I, I just can't tell you how proud I am. First of all, all of the sponsors that came in, yeah. this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Get on our website. You'll see the sponsor logos on there. You can click and go visit them and use them because these are incredible people to do something like this. You gotta enter to win. <clears throat> Elkbros.com. Give them one more time, Joe. It's at Elkbros. Just go to Elkbros.com. You get on that front page. You're going to see how to enter. It'll just there'll be a link right there. You'll see giveaway on the front of it, and you just click and go to it. All right. And if you want the exact address, it's elbros.com slash hunt2023. Correct. Yeah. We got to get moving. So let's jump over to the Elkbros mailbox. And Luis, you're going to take the first one, dude. The first one comes from Mr. Jack Hephart. Hephart. Yeah. From Pennsylvania. Don't ask me to say that name. Hootsdale. <laughs> Hootsdale. 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 Hootsdale, Pennsylvania. Uh, he says, mm-hmm. I've been listening to your podcast and I absolutely love listening. I have learned so much. I have been hunting elk for five years now and shot one five by six my first year. And others in our group have had great success. My question is, we have only seen elk where uh, we are hunting in the morning. The latest uh, we've seen them is about 11 a.m. With the great success we have had in the area, should we abandon it for the <clears> afternoon or keep trying uh, that area for the afternoon and even in hunts? Uh, we typically hunt second rifle season in Colorado. <laughs> Any input would be greatly appreciated. Basically what he's saying is is that they're hunting an area where they're having a lot of success in the morning, but they're not seeing anything in the afternoon and the evenings. So should they change places? You know, RC, we know that we've had – areas where it's been um some areas are sometimes better morning hunts and some places are better evening hunts right most definitely they'll just like being there at certain times you know well, and, and, mm-hmm. and and they got a destination a lot of times that they're going to you know and um you know sounds like the one that they're on hot in the morning might Go check a few other areas, see if they're hot in the evening. Just curious about what they ran into as far as uh, the moon, right. you know, animals moving. At, you know, they yeah. don't have to move early because yeah. if they got and I'm move, curious if they're down in the bottom. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious if they're down in a bottom and the elk are going up in the morning or are they midway up a ridge or I'm curious to where they're finding them, you know. Second rifle season in Colorado. I understand that, but it doesn't say what type of terrain they're hunting. No, no, I'm just, I'm just making that comment just to see if, if that tips something away as far as like how they're transitioning through the day. I'm assuming there's snow there as well and the snow line, the snow line may have something to do with it. Yes or no. Um, on that second rifle hunt, not necessarily are they having snow. In there, and um, I think That's they have later total, October, huh? Yeah, I think they have four total rifle hunts in there that that they get do. later as they, they go. Do, yeah. Um, the first rifle yeah. hunt is really during the rut, and then the second one is just a little ways after that, towards the beginning yeah. of November, I believe. But uh, and don't quote me on that; I'm just kind of in my head thinking that mm-hmm. way. But the 
the the main issue I think a lot of times is is it happens to us on the ranch is that a lot of rifle hunting takes place in places where you can see well. That means, like Gilbert was talking about, people are looking for the bottoms, they're looking for open areas, they're looking for animals on open hillsides and different things like that. And when you're doing that, man, I tell you what, even on a private ranch, it happens to us that once the shooting starts, the now the morning, you can catch them boogers out there and they're getting back to the trees and just depends on what's happening with that. And you can catch them moving on, on the sides. But in the evening, a lot of times you're waiting for them to show up. And I'll tell yeah. you, it, it got to the point that we talk about it as guides all the time is the golden half hour or the golden 15 minutes because they don't pop out until right before the end of 15 minutes before the end of shooting light or yeah. They don't come out till after shooting light. Right? Dark. Dark. Yeah. So in that kind of case, I don't think it's necessarily that the elk aren't in the area, but you might have to change your tactic. Like you might have to be actually going into areas, maybe, you know, turning that scope down to 4X and getting in some of those transition areas where there's more open that elk might show up moving through from bedding areas, heading down to those more open areas, but they're actually in areas that you can see them um, by moving through the trees. You might try that, or you might try to find areas that um, uh, that are that you can look into that, that you can glass some of those sides from another ridge side all the way over, but glassing the trees and not waiting for the bottoms necessarily, you know. Um yeah. That's just some of the, the, the things, but yeah, especially if there's a full moon, if it's a full moon, you know, they don't have to pop out into them opens until way after. Till later. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of it has to do with that, the distance they, they're having to travel. Travel. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> if they're like these elk over here, they, you know, they got like 10, 15 miles that they go before they get all the way to the bottom, you know, so it's like, what time are they starting? It takes a while yeah. for them to get there. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, I just, I think, I think once the shooting starts going and happening, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think those guys change. Uh, number one, I think a lot of them, especially <clears throat> in that October period are going and finding sanctuaries. So I think yeah. that afternoon, I think you're going to have to look in places that, um, most people aren't. You're going to have to find some places where you're looking down into some real thick stuff, some places that you <laughs> look for a place that you go, man, I would not want to have to haul one out of there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I guarantee you're going to find a big bull in there, man. You know, um, but there is ways. I mean, sometimes it seems like the afternoon is a tough thing and the evening is a tough thing, but I would just change, man. I would actually go get into places unless, unless that boogers your mornings up. If, yeah. if going and getting up in those trees is going in, in RC used to, you know, because I had the bow hunter mindset when I was guiding rifle hunters, you were like, no, leave them boogers alone. Don't go up in there. Let them do what they do because they'll be there in the morning. Right. So yeah. Exactly. yeah, 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 and then yeah, they'll pull them out of there. Yeah. yeah, be there and be ready to ambush them. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. that's you know, you you might have that as your morning spot, and go see if you can find another evening spot that you can work without messing up your morning hunt. 
The next one was from, uh, and man, I, Alan Richardson. <laughs> the whole thing about this, he's from Helper, Utah. <laughs> and <laughs> Talon was actually the name that if uh, my oldest daughter Britt was a boy, I wanted to to name. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that Talon was a from Helper, Utah. That's pretty cool. He says, "Hey guys, love the show. Been listening for a short time now, and I'm just blowing through the episodes. I've been hunting as long as I can remember, including two elk hunts that were unsuccessful. But elk are my focus now. I've hunted deer around the same area. I'll be looking for elk every year." However, they seem to stay on the private property. I've listened and heard you guys say to try and call them off, which I believe we can do. My concern is the line which they need to cross runs right down the top of a ridge. What would you recommend doing to try and get them coming over and get them away from that line? Also, I was wondering when the sugar call would be available to purchase. I bought cotton calls and multiple of the grinder calls, and those grinder calls are sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Also, once again, love the show. I run equipment every day, winter plowing and summer digging holes, and I've been listening to the podcast every day and not only listening, but I bring a grinder call to work and practice calling all day long. Thanks. Man, Talent, thanks for the shout-out, brother. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah. So don't you think the question would be, is he uh, bow hunting or is he rifle hunting? Right. Um, that would be one of the questions. Uh, if no doubt. If he's, if he's talking about calling them off, um, mm-hmm. because I don't know too many people worry about the line with the rifle as much because you can, you know, drop them. Right. Yeah, if he's, if, he, if he's bow hunting, man, I'll, personally, I don't worry about the line, you know. Uh, you got to get them across that boundary to, to even make a decision. So get them across that boundary and try to get them within your, your effective killing range. And, uh, when you do send it, brother, and, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully they won't try to go back the way they came. I've, I've had that happen and I've also had them, you know, die within 35 feet of that line. So, I yeah. mean, it is what it is, but I wouldn't let that yeah. affect me one bit. I'd get a couple hundred yards off that line and uh, start calling and see if I can pull that booger across that line. And, uh, you know, hopefully within a couple of hundred yards, you know, you can take care of him. Generally, you put a fatal hit on one of them, they ain't going to run more than 100 yards, you know. And, uh, yeah, and I think them, if, you watch our, if you watch our shot placement uh, podcast, brother, you hit a mare and it ain't going far at all. I, I think it's more of wondering how to bring him across the line. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's what you he's got to throw your own party. Yeah. Throw your own party. So I, and what Gilbert says, I, when Gilbert, he said a couple of things in it. I hope you heard though. He said he doesn't worry about the line, but he wants to be a couple hundred yards off of it. So, right. you know, because understand something that when an elk, when an elk comes from a direction and they take a path, and they are spooked or they're shot, they're going to turn and go back on the exact same path pretty much that they came in on. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you shoot that guy 30 yards off the fence and and he's got it in him to, to go, he's going right back over that fence onto that private property. So we highly recommend that you be off a few hundred yards off that to try to pull that animal. And, and that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't have somebody down at the bottom of a ridge that you're trying. And it depends, like, in my mind, when I see this area, I see like a heavily treed ridge, maybe. Uh, and if it's. Heavily, has a lot to do with it. 
yeah, what's the terrain mm-hmm. like? What's the what's the vegetation like? Um, because number one, if it is a herd bull and it's a morning deal and that herd bull is heading up on that ridge up there, you ain't bringing him back up over that line. But mm-hmm. by putting on a party and sounding like another herd over 250, 300 yards away from that line, you can bring those satellites in. So, mm-hmm. you know, because a- am I right, Travis? Yeah. My my first thought was when I heard that, I would work my call right up, you know, pretty close to that line and, mm-hmm. and get them excited and worked up as much as you possibly can and, and then start drawing there, yeah. back, you and know, move away. draw yourself back and bring them over with you. Yeah, move away and, and just pray to God you can bring them with you. And, but don't slow down your calling. You got to keep it ramped up and you got to keep them excited because once they hit that level, that's the level they got to stay at to come to you. So that's what I was thinking there. Yep. And especially like a a satellite bull. I've had so many times when I've been calling in that satellite bull because maybe I sound like a bigger bull and he's trying to pull one of my cows off. He stays off a hundred yards, 80 yards away from me. And it sound it seems like that bull's never going to come in. And I keep calling moving away. And doggone if he doesn't stay that same distance and follow me the whole oh, time, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a perfect <laughs> opportunity to team slam that guy, right? Um, to do that. But what Travis is saying is get where get where you have the carrot. Get where they can sense that there's another group over there and there's another uh, group of elk that they can get to that's nearby and then start moving away from that puppy and do just that. Just create a wake and pull them in your wake. Yeah, you're going to know if that bull has a hot cow. You're not going to get them away from a hot cow. That's when they're all going to be just screaming and bugling and that's when everything's bugling and that's how you know there's a hot cow. But if it's kind of quiet and you portray that you have a hot cow, oh, my goodness, man, like, he's going to come. He's going to come for sure. And not only that, bulls that are further down that ridge to the other sides, they're going to, yep, they're going to suck right in as well. They may put the sneak on to you, but, you know, you you know they're coming. They'll come in silent. They'll come in silent. (laughs) Absolutely. Be ready. That's right. I think one of the things that you have to be careful of, and that's where a decoy would definitely come in. Yeah, I was going to say decoy. The simple fact that that's what the first thing he's going to do is he's going to top out on that ridge, and he's going to be looking. He's going to be trying to see what's what's going on over here. So you definitely got to be aware of that. So I was going to say be willing to. To, to try different things too, if you see that a strategy is not working. Like I, I know Joe, you, you know, we, we had a similar situation and, um, and, and you tried a lot of things, but then ended up going with a lost calf. Right. Um, yeah, you just strategy got to find and, pull them. Right. Yeah. And yeah. the, the lost calf brought, you know, another calf that brought another cow that that cow was being the one that that bull was after. Mm-hmm. And uh, it brought everybody back in, you know. So, and that wasn't yeah. a herd bull. I mean, you got to look at that. Was that was not. that was a, a single cow with a calf that another satellite was like, oh yeah, this one's mine, right? And yeah. uh, you know, and and yeah. 
the time of year that you're talking about, if you're hearing them over on the private property, it's got to be a little bit later in the season. If it's a little bit later in the season, like, like Travis is saying that that bull is going to be cowed up and it's not really like you're trying to pull him. You're going to use his excitement. You're going to listen to other bulls around that are sounding off and you sound like your own group of bulls with a hot cow moving away. Mm-hmm. And that's some lower hanging fruit for him. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, one year, uh, one year, Chav and I walked through the middle of a herd of elk, cow calling and bugling. And I mean, literally walked through the middle of a whole bunch of cows and other little spikes and stuff like that. We heard some bulls bugling on another side of some private ground and we walked that perimeter, walked right through those, those elk to get to these other ones and ended up walking within 12 feet of about six bulls. And I mean, these bulls would walk that perimeter that, you know, that edge of that ridge and that we needed them to come across. Because we had no shot, but at, especially on the other side, we needed them to come across. And man, I can't tell you how many times they wanted to leave. But when we got in tight, and I mean super tight, we just would, I'd turn my grunt tube away from me and throw some real soft cow calls and a little soft chuckle. And man, those bulls couldn't stand it. They had to come back to see what was going on. They're like, that's really close, but we can't really pin it down to where it's at. And finally, one we got one of them's attention enough where two of them kind of got after one another and made the other one jump the fence. He actually poked him in the butt and made him jump it, you know. <laughs> and uh, when that when that happened, it was you know that's all I needed, you know, was to be legal and do the right thing. And uh, but we were persistent in sticking around there and you know had the wind and uh, and got in the middle of them and really didn't say too much until they kind of got boogered, you know, and when they got boogered, we tried to settle them down and call them back to us and it worked like a charm and end up, you know, shooting that little five by five. Uh, and he, you know, he didn't run, but about 35, 40 yards. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, you can do it. You just got to be patient and test the water to see how those bulls are feeling, you know. And, and that and, doesn't uh, mean five or ten minutes. I mean, it could be 45 yeah. minutes, it oh, could be an hour. Oh, yeah, my God. Took, yeah, it took a while. And, and uh, there were yeah, times how long, they, how, how long yeah, do you think took, we spent doing that? I don't know. It seemed like a half hour or more. But uh, you know, there were least, times where, yeah. Yeah, where they wanted to walk away, but you'd, you'd do a soft cow call and they'd come right back and just kind of linger around. And then wanted yeah. to leave, you do a cow call and they'd come back. And then finally, like you said, you know, a couple jumped over and, and that was it. That's all we, that's all you needed. <laughs> yeah. There's, man, there's so much. They walked so close to us. I thought they were going to sniff us, man. At one time they were literally 12 <laughs> feet from us, man. Oh yeah. And, uh, really close. Yeah. And, and we want, <laughs> we didn't want them that close because the wind was kind of getting jinky on us, you know, and, we had the good wind, but as soon as they got level with us, it was fixing to be Katie bar the door. And, uh, so we got, we kind of got lucky. And, uh, then my guide, man, the best in the world, uh, Mr. The Ninja right there, he, uh, had my back. And when that sucker jumped the fence, I knew he was in pretty good way. I asked, I asked Chav, I, I asked Chav, how far is he? He said, Seven yards. I said, no way. <laughs> <laughs> He's there. Yards, yeah, 
like, no way, dude. And I'm, I'm like, I, I thought to myself, maybe 45, 50. So I had my 50-yard pin on there, and he goes, no, 56. I'm, <laughs> I'm finished, you know. And, uh, and that was it, dude. But, yeah, we had some fun. That was an unbelievable trip. But, but, but I will yeah, tell yeah, you. Make, yeah, make sure you range it a couple of times because sometimes you get a false, false reading. <laughs> but I'm gonna, uh, honestly, dude, honestly, I mean, Gilbert kills this bull, and, I mean, this bull drops dead as a doornail within seconds, probably 50 yards off this fence line, which made me nervous. So, I mean, <laughs> I, and just the idea that I, I didn't want to go through the long night or the long day of having to deal with a, you know, a private landowner. So I would much yeah. rather be a couple hundred yards. 200. Off. Yeah. Yeah. So, don't yeah. do like I did. <laughs> don't yeah. do like I did. But what it was dang gum fun, I, I promise. What were you going to say, Travis? You were going to say something? Well, that's such a cool bull that Talon gets to hunt there because, like, there's so yeah. many different scenarios you can employ in that. I mean, you could simply, if you're a solo hunter and he's not hunting with anybody's, just go up close and start raking a tree. And you guys hey. all know, r- r- raking those trees, you're you're pretending you're, you're just playing for the cows and that bull's going to know what you're doing. But on the other hand, if he's got two or three other buddies with him, maybe they're not great callers or maybe they are good callers. Spread spread everybody out, you know, distance like 70, 80, 100 yards apart across this ridge. Now, like Gilbert was saying, start portraying that you're doing your own little party and you're different bulls bugling. That means there's something going on. That cow is hot. And yeah. I don't know, like it's, I love that scenario. There's so many different tactics you can employ. I mean, it's, that's elk hunting in its finest form right there. That's what yeah, we live not for. Only, not only that, he's saying that he has the fence line running down the top of the ridge. So that's actually, yeah. that actually helps you to get a bull if you get him to jump that to commit to come down off yeah. the ridge or, and, and it just depends yeah. on the situation, man. Uh, and it's hard because when you tell us something like this, I visualize different things on how that mountain looks as to what it might actually be. But, uh, yeah, if it's, if it's like on the top of a ridgeline, that's actually sometimes easier to get a bull to commit because they're going to take an angle coming off the side of that or, you know. Yeah. So, um, I, we absolutely think it can be done. Um, I would like to. Oh, no, it can place- be done. Yep, I'd like to be some. I hunt with, I hunt with some. I hunt with the guys that can do it. That guy's talking to you right there, Joe Gillia. If he's with <laughs> you, he's calling that bull from a half a mile away. He he's will doing put it. him in your lap. He will put him in your lap, brother. So uh, you guys, you know, again, guys, get in that giveaway because you get to hunt with the one and only Joe Gillia, <laughs> and I promise yeah. you, he will. I have witnessed him call a bull. People say you can't call a bull up a ridge. I promise you they, that guy can. And that guy did. And yeah. I did arrow that bull at 35 yards. We were probably what, 200, 200 yards off, off the boundary line, Joe? Yeah. But he died About in 10 that seconds. Time. That bull died in 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> It was, it, was, awesome. hey, it was over. It, 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 it was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable hunt. I promise this, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Talon, I promise you, Mr. Richardson, you can do it, bud. Just, just keep working on your call. That lost cow call, man, it, it works wonders on them old, old, old lost bulls that are looking yeah. for well, love. And, 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 uh, and look, 
when we talk about putting on your own party, that's like when you hear elk over there, it's like a party you're not invited to. You just create your own. And it's not just bugles. Yeah. Use those clunks. You use those, yeah. um, you know, those insistent cow calls. Use those little calf calls in there. Use the pants, the moans. Yep. Use those different yep. things that signify that there's a bull tending, that there's a bull with a hot cow, and you can absolutely pull them over. Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, guys, you know what time it is. It's time for the Elk Shout Out. If you're new to our show, this is Shout Out to our followers. In a few cities where the most listeners top of our charts this week, Joe. And you know what? I usually give the people that have been leaving the review on the Apple podcast, but I'm holding it this time. And the reason I am is Travis came up with a great idea. He said that um he thought that for those folks that leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a comment on our YouTube channel and include their name and where they're from, we're going to take and put y'all's names in a hat. We're going to do this once a month, and we're going to draw us a winner, and we're going to send you a Wapiti River call and a signature Elk Bros Diaphragm call. So if, if you give us a, a review or you go give us a comment on our YouTube channel, make sure you leave your name and where you're from. That way we can kind of put it out as to who we get, and we can get contact info from you if you listen to the show, and then we'll like to send that your way. So great idea, Trav. That's a cool idea. Yeah, awesome. All right. So, Travis, our first, our our top listening city, man, uh, we thought we were going to let you handle this, man. Yeah. This is, uh, this is close to home. Literally, it's like four hours from where I live. So, uh, this is home to the Trans Alta Leisure Center. Uh, they have a pool, soccer field, gym, gymnasiums, uh, workout gym, the ice rink for the whole region. And it, it's also home to the Heritage Grove Trails where bikers can ride for hours through the lush forest. The name came from the local forest, which were dominated by spruce and poplar trees. Poplar Grove was already a city, Spruce Grove, Alberta, in Canada. <laughs> so proud of you guys. Awesome. That's awesome. International Joe. Yeah, man. Wow. Crazy. Our, our brothers and sisters to the north were listening, man, to the top yeah. city, man. They actually we had more listens there than we had in Denver and Dallas this uh this last show. So uh wow, that's crazy. I thought that was Really cool, man. And, and I don't know if it was because Travis was on the last show. Then I was thinking, like, no, that probably scared more away. <laughs> oh, man, no. But you know what's funny? I drove right past there today on my way to Edmonton. So I'm literally oh, wow. in Edmonton, Alberta for the sportsman show. So if you guys That's are in awesome. Spruce Grove, hopefully you guys come out and see us. I know they're going to be here in this late, but <laughs> I'm sure yeah, they'll be coming yeah. over. Sure. Next up is also close to home for me. Very this city close. is in East Texas, um, was the center for the lumber industry and an agricultural center, mainly tobacco. Outdoor activities are abundant and a big attraction. Nearby Sam Houston National Forest and Lake Conroe offer a wide variety of outdoor activities. A must-stop culinary attraction is the Pizza Shack. I've never been. I got I got to try it out. And this is in Willis, Texas. Willis, Texas, Willis, Texas. Dang. Awesome. My wife's sister lives in Willis, Texas now, man. And the Pizza Shack, Gil? Pizza Shack's off the chain. Really good. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm coming Absolutely. down just for the pizza. I love yeah, pizza. That's, I'm, I'm down, man. I, I want to check it out now. We'll, we'll all meet there. It's, 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 yeah. For me, in my mind, after driving through Texas as much as I do in the areas I do, it's kind of interesting to hear that there was a center for lumber industry there. You know, that's just yeah. – but there are a lot well, of people been, in that area, right? You've not been around East Texas. East Texas is yeah. all pine. I mean, it's just all oh. pine, piney woods, man. Yeah. And the lumber industry is big, but from East Texas through Louisiana, all Louisiana. the way, you know, yep. all the way, all the way across the, you know, Arkansas, all the way across Alabama, all the way at Mississippi. That's kind of the, the pine tree belt that goes through the United States and yes. East Texas. We call it the East Texas piney woods. And, uh, I mean, all the national forests and all are, are all pretty country, uh, very pretty country, beautiful country. And the paper land, paper companies own most of that land now. Okay, uh, this town was named after the original farmer of the town site. It is located 16 miles north of Baton Rouge. Former NFL MVP of Super Bowl 22, uh, Doug Williams, was born here. A fire devastated the town in 1903 when a grocer tried to flame ripen bananas. And, and this is in Zachary, Louisiana. Zachary, Louisiana, man. Zachary, Louisiana. Zachary. Yeah. Flame, flame ripen yep. bananas. I'm sorry, man. I just, that just caught my head. <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> it blew my mind too. <laughs> That's over here pretty green. I might try that. <laughs> my wife loves those green ones. I'm like, no, no, you want the yellow ones. <laughs> All right. Next, this next top listing city, this town's known for the Ashen Bar, which claims to be the oldest bar in the state of Oklahoma and famous for its secret recipe of fried chicken. The name is derived using the first letters of Oklahoma, Arapaho, and Cheyenne. And Okarche or Okarche, Oklahoma. Okarche or Okarche. Yeah, I'm not sure what that is, man. I would think it's Okarche. So they took Oklahoma, Arapaho, and Cheyenne to make that. that, There you go. Very cool. Hey, uh, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Texas, and Alberta, Canada in the house tonight, man. All yeah, of shit. Very cool. You know, man, it's kind of funny. You know, I, um, I'm trying to do some, some intermittent fasting and, um, you know, I, I just stop eating kind of like at noon and I don't eat again until next morning. And obviously by this time of the day, I'm super hungry. And all I see here <laughs> is bananas, chicken, fried chicken, pizza, fried chicken, pizza. pizza. What is going on, man? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Go drink some water, man. Exactly. Hey, cooked yeah. bananas are awesome too, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Main content. Um, if you listened to last week's show, you got a heck of a show last week. We're going to continue that on becoming an elk hunter. We're going to try to give you the basics. We're going to start off today on the basics of on when to hunt. There's a lot of people right now trying to decide on calendars. Like we do an elk bros calendar and we're going to do one with all these specifics and everything like that. But what we're going to do is we're going to simplify it right here. As far as time of season for archery or rifle, maybe even time of day, we can kind of talk that a little bit. But best time when to hunt. 
So if we had to give people basics, <clears throat> what's first shot at this at what your suggestion would be? Well, I would prefer the early season opening day, but uh, mm-hmm. I'd love to hunt in the rut sometime. <laughs> so, you know, okay. in the rut. So, you know, Chav, I was actually going to break that down to two times, when they're the dumbest and when they're the noisiest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be it. Which is what he said. <laughs> yeah. Funny part is what people don't realize about the early season, that's probably one of your best shots at shooting a big bull because those bulls are out there traveling. They're trying to get their, their little harem all all tied up already. I mean, and they may be bugling, they might not be bugling, but those bulls are traveling. I guarantee They're you. Searching. They've left their yep, they've left their bedroom and they are on the hunt. I would say opening yep. day in the first three days of the season, opening day in the first three days could be your best three days right there. Um Yeah. It has a tendency and and bugling. Bulls are are, are bugling. Yeah. A lot of times you get an early estrus or you got bulls that are, you know, they're still developing their pecking order. And so it's actually a great time. And we've always yeah. been very su- successful early like that. But yeah. I would definitely say you either go when those elk are the dumbest, when they haven't had learned anything from anybody at that time, or when they're the most yeah. vocal, right? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. One hundred percent. I've hunted both. I've hunted both, man. I've hunted the early season and I've hunted in the middle of the rut. And I'm telling you, if you never hunted in the middle of the rut, you need to experience that. It will. It's like your soul's on fire from from daggum first in the morning till all night. They bugle all stinking night. Will keep you up all night. I mean, it is it is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I, for me, I really like the early season because I feel like you can, you have a little bit of an advantage with them not being pressured and, mm-hmm. uh, and not have had, not have been called several times, right? Um, yeah. But again, I, I, I enjoy hunting the first, I enjoy hunting the whole time. I, I wish <laughs> I could take off from September 1st through October 20th and I can hunt the full gamut, you know, um, it's uh it's crazy both but joe's right you know the dumbest and the loudest are yeah. two of the special times to be in the woods and and i actually think so we know that the dumbest is going to be at the beginning of the hunt when they start getting yeah. out i would say anything yeah. the 15th and the 21st they're going to be cranking like that yeah. and then yeah. sometimes you hit that late estrus that's right depending on what when your season is like if you have a season that goes to the 30th you know i would definitely yeah. Right, some of those latest days, and especially during the week on those late days, because a lot of people have put all their eggs in the basket, like us hunting early or then hunting in the front part of it, and they get worn out. And a lot of times, the competition's out of the woods there late. So, it's just yeah, that's that's actually what happens here, Joe. Like guys go out, not as many guys go in the early season, uh-huh. but through the mid, like you know, you're talking September 12th to the like 28th, 24th yep. in that area. They're getting hammered and hammered and hammered. And then all those guys, because they took that time off work to go, now they're gone home. And now the woods have been yeah. quiet for a whole week. That's some of my favorite hunting is that we're lucky. Like, I can hunt into October, November. So the first week of October is, mm, 
Yeah, here too. It it comes back around. You know, what happens is those elk are smart through the rut. Then they have that week of doing nothing. They're right back to what you're saying, Joe. They're dumb again. And, I mean, you just throw a couple little calf calls, and they they come tromping in, buddy, and they're there. It's like, man, that was easy. Now, now all that other stuff about moon uh, for archery, I'm going to tell you for archery. It affects rifle. It can affect rifle. But I think rifle, just as soon as guns start going off, affects rifle. But when you're talking archie, archery, we don't worry about moon phase. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about uh, that at all. We hunt them whenever. That moon <coughs> because if we have, yeah. a, if we have a full moon, we're going to go ahead and get on them. And when they're screaming at night, be on them in the morning. You know, if we have a dark moon, that means they're just going to be out a little bit longer, maybe come out a little bit earlier. But we're still in the trees anyway, so we really don't care about that. So the basics yeah. on that is when they're the dumbest, when they're the loudest, and kind of give yeah. you those three times, okay? Um, what about time of day, y'all? Here we go. What if there was a way to flatten your elk hunting learning curve and have the experience of a lifetime, gaining decades of elk hunting knowledge and skill sets that'll take your DIY confidence and abilities to a whole new level? Look no further. Welcome to Elk Bros Adventures in our Coached Adventure Camp, an elk hunting experience like no other. Your prep and training starts months before you ever step foot on the mountain. Our campers have weekly online training sessions with each member of our Elk Pro Success Squad in all aspects of the hunt. Gear, physical condition, archery setup, failure points to avoid, shooting proficiency, finding elk, locating, behavior calling, setup, and closing the deal. From the moment you get to elk camp, the boots on the ground training begins. Each camper will have one of the Elkrose trained coaches with them throughout the hunt. Not guiding, but teaching and helping you to learn and apply those lessons. For the price of what many today are paying for tags alone, you will be smashing that DIY learning curve, becoming a more knowledgeable, capable, effective, confident, and therefore successful DIY elk hunter. Y'all... Hunt preparation like no other, a learning experience like no other, an elk hunting adventure like no other. For more information, go to elkbros.com forward slash hunt. That's elkbros.com forward slash hunt. Flattening that learning curve, now there is a way. Well, cheers to the elk bros, huh? Cheers. 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 All day, all day. There you go. <laughs> all day. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, we a lot of times, a lot of times, we stay out all day. Mm-hmm. They're not a dumb animal. They, I mean, you know, you think about ninety percent of your hunters are going to be out real early, and come ten o'clock, oh, it's time to go eat. So the woods become quiet again. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes to camp, and that's. <clears throat> That's the best time to be there is because the elk are going, oh, they all left. Let's go yeah. play. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah I, I, yeah, I noticed that when I was in the, the, in the blind when we went to Colorado, you know, all the action yeah. was between, uh, 10 and 2 o'clock. 
And yep. that's when, yeah. that's when mm-hmm. everybody else is at camp. Yeah. Everybody else was at camp. Yep. Yep. So yep. that, you know, the, the thing is, is, uh, people talk about, you know, the pressure in the woods. Well, the best time to hunt is when other people aren't hunting. And that's being on them right at daylight, which means you got to be out there in the dark locating, be on them right at daylight. Mm-hmm. That midday hunt is fantastic on there. And if you're willing um, to get home a little bit later, to get a little bit less sleep, because that's what happens in this, then you can be out there and hunt mm-hmm. those areas uh, uh, until dark. So, um, yeah, you have... And you're going to get caught in the dark if you hunt to a legal shooting light there. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and don't get don't get spun out from if you run into other people. I can't tell you how many bulls we've taken after running into some fellow hunters and high fiving them and sending them on their way in ten seconds, fifteen seconds. We're in elk, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just they they like to be around the party, and when you start doing what elk do and sounding like what elk sound like, they're gonna come find you, man. And, uh, you're hunting around, you're hunting around some good sign and stuff like that. Just understand, man, as long as y'all are, you know, keeping the wind in your face and doing the right things with your wind, wind adjustments, y'all going, y'all going to be fine. You hunt all day, you know, especially yeah. in the right, let's say a, a place that you want to hunt going to take you four or five hours to get into. You might as well stay all day in there, not come out, you know? Yeah. Are you a lightweight hammock? Um, so you don't have to yeah. sleep on the ground. Um, you know, Manano turned, uh, turned me onto this, man. You just string that up out there. And, and I'm, look, when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm tired, I sleep. When I'm thirsty, I drink. Yep. And mm-hmm. you know, I try to live my life in the woods the way the elk do. And if there's a part of the day that I know that that, you know, that they've bedded down and things have got quiet, I'm going to catch me some Z's at that time for a little bit. Yep. And, Man, then I'm going to get in those areas where I'm liable to hear those bed bugles, and then they're going to start talking again right there at that midday. Anytime between yep. the time 11 and 2 o'clock, man, they start, you know, making that move in midday, right? So um, that's that's some great advice for you right there. Now we're going to move to tactics basics. So basically when I talk about tactics basics, what I'm more is, again, we're <clears> talking <throat> more archery here, and we're going to talk about – you know, what our playbook is when we get, you know, we get up and we get into the woods. What are our tactics basics? What is our playbook that we practice each of us when we go out there? Just to kind of give that to everybody. And I will say this, um, in talking, you know, cause we are going to Alberta, Canada this year and in talking to Travis and some other things, our tactics in some ways, just like shot placement in some ways might have to have a little bit of change to it. And, and there's a reason for that. And it all comes down to apex predators, but you know, we're just going to keep that on the side list and let's talk about this first. So Travis, I'm going to, your basic playbook, you get off of that bike, off that boat, um, you know, and you get into the woods, what is your basic playbook? What are you going to do? So basically my whole thing is right away I'm going to be quiet and listen for about a half an hour. <clears throat> Just be patient. Throw the patient games right in there. And Are you doing that to let things settle down from, you know, you getting there? Yeah, basically letting it settle down, but – I don't know what goes on here. Like we can jump off the quad and literally just shut the quad off 
and 30 <laughs> seconds later, you can have yeah. a bull bugle. Yeah, exactly. You can have a bull, like me and my buddy Jason. It happened to us. I doubled Jason in. We we got off the quad, shut the quad off. We were just standing there, just doing nothing. And all of a sudden, there's a bull screaming, coming up the trail at us. I mean, we don't have our bows out of our cases. We don't got our – this is in the dark. Like, this bull is coming in in the dark. He's coming to see the noise of the quad, right? <laughs> and we weren't talking or nothing. I hadn't thrown out any – Cow calf sounds. I haven't chuckled. I didn't do just anything. all the crashing from the vehicle, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I, what happened is I pulled off the cut line and I backed into the trees, so it was snapping and cracking all the new trees and stuff because I <clears> like <throat> to kind of hide the quad a little bit. And uh, that bull came just walking right up. But so that's my whole thing is the basics. Even if I've walked into a ridge or something, I like to just sit down and. Just let everything calm down, and I love just hearing everything going on around the birds, the squirrels, and you hear those distant bugles or a chuckle or a groan just down in front of you. Now you can start to formulate a plan. I mean, for me, that's the basics of everything right there. Just be calm and just let nature happen. If if there's elk there, they're going to tell you. Okay, so you've gotten off, you've listened for a half hour, and you haven't heard anything. What's your game play play there? Then I'm getting on my quad and I'm leaving. <laughs> no. no, 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 no. There's no elk here. We're out here. <laughs> There's no elk here. They're not coming. Yeah. Exactly. No, basically, from there on, um, I'm going to literally just throw out. This is one of my secrets. I, I'm going to throw out just a really quiet little chuckle stuff. That's all I'm going to do. And it's literally just going to reach the sound out a hundred yards in front of me. And then I'm going to be patient and quiet and I'm going to sit there for another 15, 20 minutes and see what happens. Let it marinate. Sorry to tell you, it's not a secret anymore. It's not a secret no more. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's just, I, I teach everybody this at my seminars and I'll be in Edmonton. I'm doing seminars all weekend. And I tell the same people the same thing over and over. And, you know, it's amazing. The people, they still go out there. They want to fire off that location bugle right off the get-go. And it's just, um, there's a time for that. But there's a time for just being patient and using really quiet, toned-down stuff. And That that sounds to me very similar, Joe, to kind of like, you know, what you had taught us too as far as just kind of starting – starting at, at lower volume, close cow calls, and just slowly progressing out to reaching right. out further distance, right? I mean, it, I, it just, I, 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 call I, it, I can relate to that. I call it call casting, basically, yeah. Man, yeah. because you're, you're yeah. checking areas around you and you want to find everything there. Then you reach a little further, you just cast a little further, and then you then from there you <clears> cast <throat> a little further. And depending yeah. on where you're at and whether <clears> or not – Casting something farther is going to help you because you can be in an area where it's not going to go over a ridge. It's just a few hundred yards off. You're, you don't really need to do that at that point in time. You know, you yeah. need, when you're going to cast call far, you want to be someplace where it's going to carry and going to be in that kind of morning air. But you know, what Travis is talking about is those low audibles. You know, this was our conversation because our playbook 
our playbook is a lot like what he's saying. You know, we're going to cow call first and we're going to listen. But, you know, we do the same thing. We get into an area and we just stop and listen, man. You mm-hmm. want to listen to the woods, let the woods calm down, especially if you get off a bike. Your ears are still, you know, ringing from the noise of that quad. Yeah. ATV. You just want to let all that fade. And and it's true because Chav and I one time drove our truck in an area in the dark and we we pulled into a two track that just ended and we were lost in this. We get it out <laughs> and we slam the truck doors and a bull screamed at us from like 40 yards away just because we had made yeah. all the racket. <laughs> Which ought to cue you people up to not only just that little light chuckle, <coughs> even some of the raking that's going to go along with it because yep. it's that breaking of the branches and the raking that those bulls are coming to check out, especially in that early season, yeah. especially. Yeah. So yeah. going and, back to your playbook, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and the other thing I'm doing, like to keep it really basic, have your wind checker or have a way that you're checking what the wind currents are doing, you know, I like to be up on top of the ridges, so your <clears throat> your scent's going to be going down right first thing in the morning. And I like to do that because you know, first we we crawled out of our sleeping bag. We're still groggy. You walked out there, you know, you're kind of waking up yourself a little bit as well. So it's giving you time to wake up, keep checking the wind, see what it's doing. Um, for the most part, the elk are going to be down below you because here it's if the one area we hunt, it's all ridges, and then it's farm field down below, like three four miles away. So those elk are feeding out in the fields, but then they're traveling, you know, back up the ridges to to bed down. So that's kind of what I'm, what I like to do. I like to just take my time, you know, I'll spend a good half an hour, 45 minutes, even an hour. And I might do maybe three or four sets of chuckles or rake a tree, something like that. But I'm not in a real big panic. And once I've stayed in that area for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, nothing's really happening. <clears throat> I know those elk are still moving up. So you got to give them elk time to move. They don't, don't have a magic line and, oh, bang, all of a sudden they're at the top of the ridge right in front of you. you got to give them time to come up. So that's where I'm – the patient game is such an important thing in, in my thing, and that's just how I hunt. So – if nothing's happened after, say, 45 minutes or you give it an hour, I'll literally bump down that ridge. But our ridge system's kind of, there's a ridge, then there's a little, you go down a hill and you're on a shelf. You go down a hill and you're on a shelf. You go down and you're on another shelf. So I'll literally go from these little shelf to shelf to shelf as I'm working my way down the hill now. And so what happens here mostly, like I say, those elk are coming from the field. They're working their way up the ridge. Once the thermals change about eight thirty nine o'clock, your your scent and your thermals is going down because the air is cooling. Once the thermals, the air warms up, basically that's what the thermals do. The air is warming up. Now all of a sudden that air starts coming back up the hill. Now your scent and everything is going back up to the ridge where you just came from. That's where the elk are literally going to bed down. That the minute that those thermals start to change they're going to be on one of those shelves that I'm working down to. And the minute the thermals change, they're going to stop. And that's where they're bedding down. They work their nose. They're following all, you know, they're going into the thermals as they're working up the ridge. And once it changes, they bed down there. And now they can literally smell if any predators are coming up the hill because that scent's coming up the hill. 
So they're in their they're in their little zone now. So if you had to simplify that, if you had to simplify that, um, and explain, are are you telling somebody just to work mid ridge? You telling somebody to stay on a contour and drop from bench to bench? Um, are they wanting because you're not wanting to drop down too far? You're wanting to stay in no. there. These boogers are going to bet, right? So, yeah, yeah. So like, what my whole goal is, I'm I'm never in a hurry to get to the very bottom. If it takes me three or four hours to get down there, uh, then it takes me three or four hours. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it just, you never know where you're going to bump into those elk. They're always at a different spot. It seems like, and not only that, the elk that you think you're going to run into, you run into different mm-hmm. herds on your way down there. So it's like all of a sudden, Holy crap, there's a bull like off to your right side, a hundred yards. And he, he probably came into your sounds, but you didn't even know he was coming. You know, maybe he didn't bugle or anything. So, and if I've worked my way down, you know, spend the morning doing it. And that's now when you where, say down, Travis, when you say down, yep. are you going down the ridge or are you going across ridge? <clears throat> so like a lot of people are going to say, hear that down. So they're going yep. to, start, and, and what, the reason I say that is, is that a lot of times people will start going down to where they're hearing elk and elk are actually coming up and there's a crossing point yeah. where they find themselves down below them and they actually put themselves in a bad scent position, right? So yeah, exactly. I, I just want to make sure people, when they're hearing you say move down, you know, you're not just dropping straight down the ridge to the bottom. No, no. How are, how, it's almost like little pillows, like pictured as little pillows. And you're going from this pillow to this pillow to, you know, like little small little benches. And the, the, the ridges don't just go straight across here. It's you'll come to a little ravine. You'll have to cross it and then you'll be on another there you higher go. spot, right. drops mm-hmm. down to another low spot. Um, it's almost like if I, if I could, uh, another way to explain it to people is kind of like I talk about the knuckles, right? On the hill. So mm-hmm. you have, you have a lot of finger ridges that are happening and you can actually go up and down through yeah. the ridges and across them at a certain level so that you can actually meet <laughs> either coming up a ridge or coming through the bottom of those little, um, small drainage areas between yep. those between those knuckle ridges that are happening right there. And, yep. you know, not all the way to the top, but not all the way, you know, midway, you know, again, kind of just follow. And and I think the main, if we're going to simplify this is when you're going up, find the elk trails that are going across and get yep. on them. Because they're going to take you, those trails are going to take you to bench, to bench, to bench. Mm-hmm. They're going to be the same way that the elk are moving. So if I was to simplify it, you know, is that you're moving through, find those trails that they're using and get on those roads, those trails. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Be on those little trails and, Mm -hmm. and they're they're not little trails. They're like, they're, they're two feet wide and, and and deep in the dirt, right? You'll, you'll know it when you're on it. It's, they're awesome. I mean, you get on those suckers and you just travel those. <laughs> I'm if the you're worst. finding fresh droppings, if you're finding oh. fresh urine, if you're finding track, yeah. you know you're in the money, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> There's been times where you gotta you gotta phone a buddy to pick you up down at the bottom somewhere and, and drive <laughs> drive you back up around because you know you get on those trails and if you're like me, <clears throat> if you're if you're not getting in Dale, you're following those trails and you're marking on your GPS. Okay, I found a wallow. Okay, look at this. There's 
there's rubs everywhere. Like I'm, yeah. I'm it's, it sounds you so. You get excited and you start mapping oh, and you start, you continue yeah. to explore and you get carried yeah. away. And before you know it, you're just way too far out oh, yeah. there. Yeah. I yeah. Get you. Yeah. You're hunting and you're scouting all at the same time, but you know, to keep it so basic, I mean, yeah, it, it's literally that easy. Just get on those trails and they're taking you from the little shelf to little shelf. And that's all I can say is just be super, super patient and don't rush it and let, let it happen. Let it unfold. And, and don't be afraid too. Like if you're on a trail and it seems like you're not seeing anything on that trail and kind of peters out, well, Mm -hmm. either go up the ridge or up the, up uh, another contour a little bit, you know, look at, Look at how that contour runs and you can try, you can actually see if it's too steep, those elk aren't going to be moving through there. They're just going to drop down off of it. But if it's an area yeah. that kind of levels out in a spot, they're going to work that. So look at the contours. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to go down, hit another trail. Oh, this one looks better. You know, it's kind of like mining yeah. for them, you know, and then follow that, follow that trail and to see where it leads and see if it picks up track and if it goes into yeah. a area. Keep your nose, keep your eyes and then really work that man that's the most basic if we were to say that doing that but you know travis and this is where it's going to be interesting for me versus Mm -hmm. you know going to alberta because when he talks about how he uses those low chuckles i i am always a lover before i'm a fighter so i'm always you know working (laughs) and chumming as i'm moving through an area i'm chumming with cow calls right However, that could be a problem in Alberta, Canada, because, you know, I might yeah. chum up a grizzly bear. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. We don't want to chum up no grizzly, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out. I'm out, dude. Whereas that's my game plan. When, when I'm out there and I'm in, you know, same thing, you know, if as I'm moving through an area, as I'm moving through trails, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, just a few of those, and I'm moving mm. slow, I'm listening, I'm looking, and I like to throw those out in new areas as I'm moving so that if – and making noise. I don't, I'm not worried about making noise because that's yeah. selling it right there, right? Um, I might get to a point where, okay, I'm seeing fresh track. I'm seeing fresh droppings, right? I'm starting to smell an elk. Now – I'm going to try raking. Now I'm going to try that low chuckle. I'm going to let them know that, you know, I'm not going to do a, a, a bugle per se because I don't want to let them know what kind of bull I am, and I'm going to give some cow calls. I'm always going to start with cow calls first <clears throat> and see if I can get that, and then I'm going to mix it up with a, a bull that yeah. they're not able to identify. So yeah, I think staying non-identifiable as a bull is to your advantage. Yeah, yeah. And one of my favorite things to do is, you know, bring out the little kid in you, pick up a stick off the forest floor and walk with that stick and swoosh the grass and hit other sticks. And, you know, just, you know, it sounds so simple, but that gets you elk right there. Just making those noises with a stick. It, it's so simple. And not only that, you got, you got a great walking stick and now you can go down and up the hill super easy and you can make noise and, you know, a lot of my buddies, they look at me like, man, you're making so much noise. And why are you, you're, you're hitting the dead stuff. And it's like, <laughs> that's what you got to do. <laughs> you ever heard of elk walk go through the woods? It ain't real quiet, man. Oh yeah. They, uh, yeah. They sound mm-hmm. like a herd of buffalo coming. Right. Yeah. yeah. I now, did the same thing uh, that you're saying, Joe, me and, uh, me and Dylan were out and 
we wanted to per- portray that we were just uh, some calves. And so we we were just doing literally calf calls all morning for like two hours. And we called in this little calf. He came up the ridge, and he was squawking at us. He ended up 20 yards from Dylan for about half an hour. And he called, he just kept doing I, – I shut up after that little calf came. And because we were just calf calling back and forth. We were about 80 yards apart, just a couple little calves. That's all we were doing. And so once that calf came into him, we heard a bull bugle down the ridge. That bull was following that calf. He, and he literally came 11 yards from me. And I went to full draw on him and I just, you know, it wasn't the right time. So I said, you know what? This is your lucky day, little bull. You get to walk away. Nice little five mm-hmm. by five. And it was awesome. You know, a really cool experience and just from the calf calls. Yeah. And that's the only thing I would tell you. If I was to give you guys basics in our playbook, is that you don't have to go around screaming bugles all the time. You're going to do a no. couple of things. You're going to be a little bit different than regular rodeo. You're not going to be pulling in as many hunters. Um, mm-hmm. And you're not going to be pushing out some smaller class, age class bulls that might come in to check on there. Now, there is a time and a place when sound like a big bull will bring other bulls in. But it, it, whether it's early season or late season. You know what I mean? But I like a lot of those just soft bull noises on that early season with that. Whereas later in the late season, I might do something more with the cow calls and, you know, the more aggressive bulls there. So that's. Yeah. That's right. The other theory to my stuff, why I like to do a lot of the bull sounds per se more than anything. Here it's a three point or bigger. So they got to have three points on one side before you're allowed to shoot them. If you're doing a lot of cow and calf stuff, and I find you call in a lot of the spikers and a lot of two two pointers and you know the the little three points that you're not sure is he legal three pointer is he not right right but the minute you change it and you start doing more of the bull stuff you're calling the five by fives and the five by sixes and the sixes it seems like it switches almost you know so I was fooled I was fooled. Yeah, I was fooled. Me and Dylan got fooled by that five by five because he followed that calf in. But I mean, that's of probably a very rare time that that's going to happen. Probably a, a spiker is going to be following that calf next time. So yeah, kind of keep that, you know, little tidbit in your hat. It's like you, Gilbert, you, you're catching little fish. You're probably moving yep. somewhere else. You're moving. You're going to get into the bigger fish. You know, it's, exactly. that's, ex- you know, it's, Nature's nature. It's the same no matter what. Yeah, he, he yep. does that when he goes fishing with uh, his friends. <laughs> Doesn't invite <laughs> <him>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, today awesome. we're today we're catching bait, fellas. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So so let's move on to the next one. What do we have up next? Okay. Response basics. What is that? Response basics. All right. So what are we talking about with response basics? What we're talking about with response basics is, and and what I find is a lot of people, um, a lot of hunters, when they do get a response from an elk, they don't know what to do with that. They're like the proverbial dog chasing the car. They don't know (laughs) what to do with it once they've caught it there, man. And, And I can tell you in almost... So many situations, unless you have a bull that's screaming, 
and then he's screaming closer, and then he's screaming closer. But if you hear that bugle far off, you know, in that distance, man, the first thing that that I generally am going to do in most cases, there are some cases that you don't want, most of them, I'm cutting the distance. A lot of people will just stay put, and then they just start calling to that animal, trying to bring that animal into them at a distance. And what I like... Depending on how far that sound is, though. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. I want to get as, I want to get as close to that bull as possible. Yeah. I want to get as close to that bull. If it's too close, you might have to set up right where you're at. Well, that's what we call an old crap moment, right? Yeah. Oh crap. Well, it happened to me. That's what happened to me in Manana, Colorado. I mean, yeah. He was just right there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. I agree with you, Joe. I mean, what we've learned from you is that too. It's like, you know, the moment you hear something, Oh, you, you want to you want to understand your wind, and then make yeah. your approach and try to get as close as possible. Obviously, you got to understand the topography as well too. If it's too far out, you know what is the wind doing, and how long is it going is it going to take me to get there, and what's my topography, my vegetation looking like, you know, to kind of draft a quick plan. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. So, I was just let's, thinking let's... through that. I was just thinking through that because. When you were talking about that, the bugle is like, man, how awesome is it when you just got out there, you started hunting, been a year, and then you hear that first first bugle response is like, your eyes just get this big, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. so much fun. So, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But it, I, I think if I was to take now, if if you're like in a bottom and you're calling. And all of a sudden a bull screams at the top of the ridge that had to have topped out because he's coming and looking for you. That's a whole different situation right, right. there. Right? Yeah. Now I'm actually taking a look at where his possible approach, where my setup it is, where I can best put myself in a position so that I have a tight setup. Yeah. Do I have time yeah. for that? What's the wind doing? Right? I have to read all that stuff all swirling through my head. But if it's a situation where we get a response from an animal out there, I simplify it to we're going to cut the distance, we're going to get the wind right, and we're going to get on that contour. So we want to get on the same level, we want to get in the a good wind situation, and we want to get as close as possible. Once we do that, and hopefully that bull while we're doing that has also sounded off again, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a lot of technical stuff we can do as far as talking to people about how to read their distance and how far the bull is and how far to go and whether you count steps. There's a lot of things there. But if we were to break it down basic, when you hear that animal, you want to close a distance, downwind side, get to the level. Now, and, and the reason I tell you this is because I know a lot of people that will hear a bull respond to them. And this is the morning, Right. It's the morning. The bull has responded, and then the bull's moved up. So they move up, still behind the bull, and they call, and the bull screams back at him, and it sounds all aggressive. And they're like, oh, he's coming in. And then again, he sounds further away. It's because, you know, yeah, th- think of what I'm talking well, about here. They need to mm-hmm. know what kind of response they got, though, Joe. Absolutely. They need to know what kind, what kind of – was that a roundup bugle he just threw? Because if it was – we know we ain't chasing him down because he's pushing them cows, right? So yeah. you, you know real well what response you got. So I think you boil it down to the basics is, okay, what kind of response did I get? 
But but I'm going to keep it even more basic than that, Gilbert, because I'm going to keep it for these people that are just learning and they're overwhelmed. And I tell them <laughs> this, look, if that bull is sounding off up there, if you were to haul up to the downwind side and get on that animal's same contour, you're already putting yourself in better position. You right better be in door. shape. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Now, the thing is about getting Round out of inside of him on the same contour, hopefully, you know, you can almost angle, and as you're moving up, things are going to get a little bit closer, you know, as you're doing. Yeah. And it depends yeah. Ox- on the terrain, on what it's doing, right? Oxygen is going to lack. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. Legs are going to hurt. <laughs> I would much rather try to get on the downwind side, same contour, than chase behind that bull, all right? Is is what I'm I saying. Know it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we did that, Joe, with your bull um, in New Mexico a few years ago. Um, we did it why. with the bull. That, we did it this year with a bull. He called in for me. We got below him and had to haul butt across a big open field in, in a little trenoff. And then once we got behind him, <laughs> we had to cut it. We had to cut up around <laughs> him on the downwind side and run up the side of this mountain. And uh, we actually got on the same contour level as him. He was slightly above us. He was slightly above us, but we got between him and the cows and didn't even know we'd done it. And that's kind of what boogered the whole thing. Joe called the cows to us while he was coming down to us. And uh, the cows actually sniffed Joe on the elbow, and uh, that was it. Man, she didn't like the like way Joe smelled. He must have had some of Manano's shower curtain perfume on, and uh, she, blew out, she blew out of there like a dadgum Roman candle now, and uh, took, took the giant bull with her. Now, if it was the evening, that would be a different deal. Yeah. If that bull's not running away and that bull's coming down, it's a different deal. Right. And that bull mm-hmm. is sounding off to me. Now I'm not necessarily having to close the gap real hard like that. Right. I can actually relax listen to what's going on because mm-hmm. that animal's playing to me, not going away from me. You know, if I'm, if I'm down lower than that, or he's actually coming to my level, we've just switched off. of. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No. And the other thing is, you know, while you're moving in on that bull, you're, you're listening and you're listening for him to sound off again. You know, did he bugle from that same area or has that, has he moved? You know, cause you're yeah. going to, you're moving, you're going to know if he's okay. All of a sudden he's way over to the left. You know, those bulls have the same bugle. If you're paying attention, you're going to, you're going to recognize. And, and well, now different things happen, right? Yep. Yeah. Now when you're moving in on that bull, you better be having your eyes on your head on a swivel because a mm-hmm. lot of these satellite bulls will come in silent from different angles that you're moving up on. So. I mean, yeah. I saw it. I, well, I just about ran over a bull to get to a bull that Joe's wanting me to kill, and he's calling to, and that bull never said a word. <laughs> I, I I bail off down there and about run over a big six-by-six six to get to the bull I killed. And, uh, <laughs> and he, was, he was standing there the whole time. Uh, so, again, you got to be real careful when you're running up in there uh, and, and easing up in there and keep your head on a swivel because a lot of these other bulls won't say a word. You well, know, ask yourself, yeah. 
what time of day, yeah. is it, right? If it's yeah. a morning yeah. and they're going to bed or are they coming from bed? If they're going to bed, they're looking to go lay down, they're going to get in a place. And even if you continue to cut that distance, get on that downwind side, and you're able just to stay where you can hear them where they do bed down, now you have a captured audience for the next six hours. Right. So, right. you know, if you continue just to stay behind them thinking that bull's coming to you and then all of a sudden they're 300 yards further and the next thing you know you're losing them over a ridge and you don't know where they go you know so that's where i tell you man that's where i try to keep it basic nine uh, i won't say nine times out of ten but eight times out of ten you know you really need to cut that distance and get up onto that same level on the downwind side so um that's yep, the yep. best way to handle a response of a distant one now mm-hmm. if again if you got one that is close and you hear that bull, man, you gotta change. You're, you're not really, your response is not now to really having to chase them down. They're most likely coming to you. So now your response is, I gotta think about my best situation for a setup. Yeah. Yeah. First, first step, check the wind. What does the wind do? Absolutely. And you gotta get the wind right instantly, 100% right now. And then the game can continue on. Yep. Yeah. Wind ain't right. We ain't going. Wind ain't no. right. We ain't going. Yeah. We're gonna let him bugle his his full head off up there, and we're gonna wait till the wind gets right. You yeah. know, uh, don't go in there and try to push in there and then blow him out of there, and you'll never be able to hunt him. You know, um, exactly. Yeah, got to got to use the wind, and and then again, spend some time understanding what these elk are saying. I know it's basic, but. You can get Paul Medell's Elk Nut app and can really understand the language of what yeah. response you got, which can help you tailor to what you need to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and to add into that, Gilbert, also, like, if it's early season, like, this is going to be because you just heard your first bugle. Dang, man. Like, you can't just rush in there like a bull charging through because you, you right. scare those, you scare those boogers off and you might spend the next five days. Oh man, like where are the elk? Like you can't find them anywhere. Yeah. And that's so, an interesting, yeah. that's now, an interesting you, thing that we talk yeah. about with Luis is knowing when to speed up and slow down, right? Yeah. And understanding where you are in your placement to where the elk are as well, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially here, that, that's your whole morning hunt. You get on that one elk. That's, that's your deal. You mean, right. you might not get another chance at another bull. That so. could be your whole week. <laughs> I sure could be. Yeah. Sure could be, buddy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that, that's Great just kind of, again, that's basics, guys. We're giving you basics here. Right. So there are yeah. so many nuances to what we do and we're, we're talking oh, about man. Parts, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we go. So let's go to closing the deal basics. And, uh, and what I want to do here is like, uh, and Chab, I'm going to probably come to you first in, in talking about setups because you've been in a lot of situations and a lot of things. What are the things that when you're setting up, what are the things that you're doing that you're checking for? What's some of your, your basics on your setup? Well, you know, be aware of the area that you're at, you know, and uh, when you do set up, make sure you have some shooting lanes. And, uh, you know, depending on, on uh, I guess, if you have a caller behind you, um, I, the main thing is, you know, be aware of what's happening. You know, be aware of what is taking place as far as the what whatever the bull is calling or, you know, what type of sounds 
busy making. Uh, horse always beware of the wind, you know, when you set up. You know, it's probably the main factor, but, you know, got to have some shooting lanes or it's not going to happen. Shooting lane. Now, when you said awareness around you, what did you mean by that? Well, uh, make sure it's laying behind you to break up your, your silhouette, okay. you know, for one for one thing. And uh, if you have... Front of cover, not behind cover. Yeah, behind cover, right? Yeah. And make sure, yeah, make sure you don't have something in front of you. And, uh, you know, yeah. when I was able to move around a lot, I, I would uh, also look at the ground cover and, and see if I could kneel down and, and actually move around from yeah. the kneeling position. Uh, what's that, Luis? What do you? What, what's all that mean, Luis? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Make sure you don't. Yeah. People can't see you. <laughs> no, I, I know. I just kind of, you know, uh, alluding to what has happened to me in the past too. Is like you get set up and then you know you sit, you sit with good cover in the back. Like you know you kind of get on your knees in front of a tree, mm-hmm. and then you know have good back cover, and then you you know. The, you got a good shooting lane, everything is good, and then you get to draw, and it turns out that you break a branch when you draw because there's, <laughs> oh. you know, there's something behind you. When you move, you, you know, you make a noise, so it's just kind of make sure you check your surroundings to, and you know, you can you give yourself enough room to where you can silently draw and make that movement, that final movement without so, making. So what much. do you do when you get in your setup and you get down on your knees? What do you do to ensure that? Immediately just kind of scan bones. and then break, break all the stuff. You're going to make noise, but that's mm-hmm. fine. Elk make noise when they walk. So when you're getting set up, just break all of that and make sure that you give yourself room. Clear the stuff on the floor too that is kind of noisy. Like if it's kind of yeah. corn flaky to where you're going to make a lot of noise, clear it, clear <laughs> that up and then try to do that before the elk comes in because then at that point you don't want to be pinpointed, especially if you have a collar back. You don't want the noise to did the elk to pinpoint your sound where you at you want them to be concentrated to whoever's calling behind you so so we've heard shooting lanes in the setup we've heard area awareness as far as where those shooting lanes are <laughs> i almost messed up there where those shooting lanes are in you know in comparison to what the animals doing right um you talked about area awareness of you know, mock drawing to check that you're able to draw and turn in different areas yeah. so you can do that. Yeah. Clearing the area around your feet or your knees so that you can able to, to move there. What else about area awareness? What else are you checking to make sure of? What what I'm doing I'm doing like Louise is saying, I'm clearing the area around my feet. I like to I, I like to like a two foot circle into the dirt. Mm-hmm. But I'm also checking the wind at the same time that I'm doing that. Doing multiple things at the same time. And then you know where the elk should be coming. Like Chav was saying, like he's, he's set up on hundreds and hundreds of elk. So he's planting his feet where he thinks the elk are going to be coming from. You got to get in that position so you're ready to draw and actually have that shot. So multiple things all at once. So yeah, I, I think what you're commenting on the wind, well, what you're commenting on the, on the wind is very important because, you know, yeah, you've made it that far, but then that wind may be kind of shifting and, and, and you, if the elk is coming and you're getting a shot opportunity and you feel like that elk is going to get into where that wind is going, you, make you may have a limited time, um, yeah. you know, actually to take that shot. And then, yeah. and then I think Beto, you were about to mention something on <clears throat> like, if you've got time, 
map your distances to where you're not needing to range when the animal comes in. So you kind of give yourself reference points. So that's, that's where I'm talking about area awareness. So when when we're doing that, we're, we're checking our own bodily area of awareness. We're checking where our shooting lanes area awareness. We're checking where, um, distances out by hitting the range right away so that we have that right. Okay. I want to know mm -hmm. where 40 yards in is. If, If I can know where 40 yards is, Rest is lanyard for me. I just need to yeah. know where 40 is at. And that's, that's kind of my deal. Once I know they're inside of 40, I got them. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I can pretty well guess when they're 20 and 30 uh, if I know where 40 is. And, uh, in past 40 now, I'd really, really got to know the range when you're shooting out past those distances. Well, generally, mm-hmm. it's don't. That the farther away an animal is, the more time you're going to have to range them, right? So if they're further sometimes, out. some sometimes Joe, but they're rolling up on you, could be rolling up on you quick, and you don't, and you be caught with that range finder up in your eyeball, and they're in your lap, you know, mm-hmm. and now you can't move because they're looking at you. Well, uh, I, 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 I think know somebody that that happened to. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying, Gil, is like if you've ranged your forty and in, you know that. So if they're rolling up, you're good there. But what if they're Lingering out there, broadside feeding at fifty-five or sixty yeah. or whatever. Yeah, well, I want to know. I want to know how far that is. But if now you out have there time to range, right? right? Yeah, definitely, def- definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but I ain't shooting that animal unless I know the range. Right. Well, there's a lot of guys that'll pull yeah. up and let it rip, and then they, you know, they're sad because they wounded a bull or they missed, but they really didn't know what range it is. Yeah. Guys, don't take a shot if you don't know how far it is. I mean, just because they're big don't mean that they're hittable. You know, I mean, you've got to know your your distances. It's important, you know. And uh, we use our range finders a lot. But for me, I use it to find what 40 is, you know. Yeah. And uh, look, if I don't have Brendan and RC over my shoulder in Colorado, I don't kill that bull. I, maybe. I mean, I had him for 50 and he was 53. I, I got a pretty good shot at killing him. But at the end of the day, that was just solidifying. Same thing with Chav telling me that bull's 57. I mean, I, I would have never been able to make that shot if I didn't know that distance, you know. I think, so, mm-hmm. go ahead. I think real quick, I think Travis also alluded to something that is important. When he talked about, you know, positioning yourself, you know, we, we have a tendency as humans to kind of position ourselves frontal to um, to the animal. And then what happens then at that point is when you get to draw, you're now drawing and trying to turn and trying to get yourself oriented to that shot. So, I mean, just trying to get yourself perpendicular uh, or parallel, I guess, to the animal. I'm not, yeah, you know, I just, perpendicular. just, yeah. Yeah, 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 perpendicular a little bit, like to where you can draw straight without having to do much movement on your torso, right? But, but, I mean, that's important. Yeah. yeah, and to that, and to that point too, uh, being aware of the wind, uh, you'll have an idea which way the elk is going to try and circle around you to catch your scent. Exactly. So, yeah, that kind of gives you an idea. Yeah, you got an aggressive bull. He could come straight in. Yeah. Like he could come in on a string, like a lot of them do. But like Chav's saying, <clears throat> he he might just circle downwind just that little bit. Now you better have your shooting lanes, like Chav's saying, downwind, and have not one shooting lane. Try to get two or three if you can. And if he does circle, you, you still got him. So if, if, again, keeping everything to basic rules for these people, you know, as they do, we want in our setup, we want to be in front of cover. We want to have shooting lanes. We want to be cleared around our feet and our upper body to be able to shoot. 
We want to be prepared for the most, if we're a right-hand shooter, we want to have our body prepared for the most right-side shot because you can stay in form turning to the left easier than you can stay in form turning to the right, you know, the way the way you do there, right? Okay? And we way absolutely knowing where the wind is and not that in – because we can have wind that goes to an angle, but we got to know where that scent line is so that if, you know, we got to take a shot at that bull, we do it before they hit that scent line, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 So that's simplifying our setup. Area awareness around us, our distances, right? Okay. So that's our basics right there. All right. Yeah. Now we've seen the animal. The animal is coming in. So now we got to think about some other types of things like, most people are going, when do I draw? You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, what Gotta the shot draw. focus is, you know, and most of them don't even think about how to stop the animal, right? But yeah. let's talk about drawing. All right. Everybody says, when should I draw? When he's in the kill zone, when he's in the kill zone, draw your bow, draw your bow. Unless, if he boogers, if he boogers cow call, he'll stop. Unless you have a situation where you see horns coming over the hill to an area where you know they're going to, you know what I mean, where you can pull back ahead of time to be yeah. able to. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but and don't we, worry Don't worry about him seeing you draw on your bow. If he's in the kill zone, mm-hmm. draw your bow, man. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't draw, he's going to walk right out of your life. So, yeah, I'm, no, you know, and, and, I know that works for us here, but I'm curious as how that's, how they're going to react in Alberta because of grizzly bears. I'm real curious on, on that. So, so what I, I, I go off what Gilbert's saying there exactly. And I love to, I love to let the bull watch me draw. It sounds <laughs> so silly. It doesn't make sense. Right. But when, when they catch that little bit of movement, they stop it, and turn. It forces them to react, and they're going to stop, and they're going to turn and look at Broad what that side. movement was. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And you're look, you're drawing, and you're putting that pin on them at the exact same time in the kill zone. You're not just – you're not the your pin's not waving all over the whole elk. You're drawing, and you're going on that kill zone, right? So yeah. it's a purpose. Yeah, don't, don't draw with the elk's head goes behind the tree. Because when you draw, he's going to see that movement, and he's going to stop. And when he stops, mm-hmm. his head will be the only thing sticking out behind the tree, and the yeah. tree will cover the vitals. Let him get mm. past the tree and draw yeah. your bow. I'm so yeah. proud and of you guys, man. That's <laughs> so good. Yeah, I was going to say, Gilbert, so that good. is such a good tip right there. I mean, that yeah. is, a lot of people would do that, and that's uh, such a good tip. Yeah. 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 Look, let him, let him clear that tree. I'm going to tell you right now, I, just about every bull that I've shot, Joe or somebody's covered me in a bugle, but they've been looking right at me. I mean, yeah. you know, they're, they're like, man, what is that? What, what is going on right there? You know, and, uh, and, and generally, if you need to stop the bull, get that sugar call or that grinder call in your mouth and just a little bit of, like that or, even a soft cow call, it'll stop them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when they turn and look, you better have your pin settled in that area you want it to go and then send it, brother. That's the close of the deal, man. Get about yeah. six inches, six inches behind that crease mid body and let it eat. And you'll be celebrating over big antlers and, and lots of elk backstrap, baby. Yeah. 
It, see, in most cases, like I love what Gilbert's saying there, 100%. In the shooter's position, when that bull is coming into your shooting lane and clearing for a shot, it now becomes the shooter's job to stop that bull. You have to become the caller. Right. You can't rely yeah. on your buddy right. that's 60, mm-hmm. you know, your buddy 60 yards behind you. He, he doesn't know when he's coming into your lane. It's, <laughs> it's your job. You're the, you're the caller. You're the shooter. And after the shot, you're the stopper. You have to stop that bull and calm him back down. One of the big so advantages of diaphragms. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, I would say the most important purpose and time of a diaphragm call is those last 30 seconds right there. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. To stop that bull, being able to pop that bull and then be able to confuse that bull. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. Yeah, you have you have ten seconds after the shot mm-hmm. to make him stop and do what you want. And yeah, yep. Well, guys, what we're going to do is um, we're going mm-hmm. to stop this at that point right there. Um, on our next show, we're going to finish up with becoming an elk hunter series basics. We might introduce a new topic at that point as well, depending on how much more we're going to do this. If you have any questions on basics that you haven't heard from us, send in a uh, an email, send in a you know uh, a message through our through our uh, elk bros info at elkbros.com. Send us something through that, and we'll. We'll try to get everything for you to help you be comfortable. We're, we're doing, man, guys, you guys have just been awesome, man, um, covering these basics for these guys. It's just super. Incredible content so for fun. our listeners out there, Joe. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Travis, good luck on your show. Uh, yep. I'm sell out yeah. all your elk calls, but don't sell too many because we're going to need some, brother. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got you covered, bro. <laughs> yeah. Guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And a reminder, if any of our listeners out there would like their questions answered on our show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And, guys, get in on the giveaway. It's going to be epic. You will not want to miss that at elkbros.com. Uh, adventures, uh, what is it, give, uh, hunt 2023, Joe, is that right? Yeah, so elkbros.com slash hunt 2023. Fantastic. And like we say here in the Lone Star State, Husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see y'all next week right here on Blue Collar Health Honey. Yes, sir. Great show, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, super. And for all our grinders out there, here's some more music from our brother, Tony Winstrip. So close out our show. Peace, peace. Peace, fellas. Later, dude. I got a whole bag of tricks. For five by fives and six by six Whether there's snow or a bit of rain All that mountainous terrain I got a pair of boots that fit just right And Phelps calls get them close to my sight When I pull the string and I watch that carbon hit I just elk it Man, I just elk it I just elk it I 
waited 350 days. I watched the wind blowing from my old ways. And I watched the path that he walked in the fall. And there's no failure in my head when all I'm tracking is red. With the fist pump to the sky when the beast is dead. I just elk it. Oh man, I just elk it. Oh, I just did. 